Hey, everybody out there. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. Today, I've got a good friend of mine, Jeff Redding from Leupold Optics. I'm totally stoked to have you in the studio here. Optics um, and everything, the world that goes with it, bases, um, rings, you know, range finders, all of it, man, it's just a huge, huge world that... Um, it is Kip. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot to consider for the consumers and, and yes. first thank you for oh, inviting yeah. me. Um, it's a privilege. I'm honored to be here appreciate with it. you, you know, um, not just to talk about this stuff, but because you're a friend too, you know, yeah, I appreciate it's, that. it's, it's I, I love the fact that I'm able to come down and help out. So yeah, that's awesome. heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. Yeah, optics, uh, consumers' eyes will just gloss over, you know, you reticles uh first focal plane second focal plane what you know I'm, i've got a you know a, a 243 and i want to you know put a scope on it what what size what power do i need and you know it just goes on for days and days and days and that's before you ever even get into you know brand and base and yeah all that stuff so if you can real quick uh, before we get too far into it tell us a little bit about your your background you know your, how long you've been in the industry and and and, and kind of how you got started and all that yeah, sure. You know, um, honestly, I feel like I've been in this industry my entire life. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was born and raised in the outdoors. Um, as early as I could legally shoot a gun, I've been hunting, I've been fishing. Um, but for the last, you know, 20 plus years, 20, 25 years, um, I've done both the commercial and the retail side of this business. Mm -hmm. um, I spent years working behind a counter, helping consumers make choices on what guns to buy, optics to put on top of it, accessories used, et cetera. Um, I've worked in the biggest box stores, and I've worked in the smallest mom-and-pop stores. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, um, you know, I've also spent time on the manufacturer side of the industry. So at a certain point in my life, I decided I wanted something different than retail mm -hmm. and um, went to work for an optics manufacturer. It kind of uh, gave me a base level of knowledge, and I was able to grow and learn. Um and I was blessed enough and fortunate enough to be able to parlay that experience into this job with Leupold. And quite honestly, if I would have been able to draw a map, I think, you know, this was probably the place that I wanted to be a, a USA made um, optics manufacturer. Yeah. And, and that, working for a company that was based and made stuff here in the States was very important to me and yeah. was lucky enough to and fortunate enough to be able to land here. Yeah. USA made, um, Oregon it's, you know, and, and I think for anybody that's been in the industry for, um, or in to hunting, if you will, scopes, optics, you know, Leupold, the name really, you know, you, you know, really you could argue, Kip, I, I mean, it, it, in all honesty, you look at it and there's a few names that are iconic in our industry, right? Like, like you, I automatically identify a brand with an industry, mm -hmm. Nike, sports you know i like to think leupold is one of those brands where if somebody mentions it you think hunting it it is synonymous with what we do 
Um, and, and so, and there's very few like that out there, you know, and, and, and I'm really fortunate enough to be able to work for one of them. I mean, we've been yeah. around as a company for over a hundred years. Yeah. So I would have to agree with you with that, Jeff. I mean, you know, I can tell you growing up, you know, much like you did, it sounds like, and, and, and we've kind of talked about it, but you know, a lot of the guys that, you know, the older guys, if you will, quote unquote, which now ironically i kind of i think that's we, we are the older yeah we're the now. older guys as much as we don't want to talk about it or admit it you know it's just not, i think i think that's me but you know so you know they all you know leupold you get a you know get leupold that piece of glass man that's that's just you know that's just it and and there's definitely you know other glass out there but for the working man for the i mean you know there's nothing that leupold um you know they can run in any in, in any optics world out there and yeah. it's just really good stuff and i think you get what you pay for too with it absolutely just top notch stuff. yeah you know one of the things you know retail side obviously you're here in the shop you know i'm on the floor um you know working with customers and stuff like that and i'm not going to say the competitor's name but you know there's a competitor out there that um everybody you know comes in and talks and you know for the price point and blah 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 and they got a lifetime warranty and you know, my first response to him is, is, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock, you knock what your, you know, what research you've done and what you've looked through and your buddy has one in the experience you had. But I guess the question I have for you is, is, and I'm talking to the, to the consumer is, is, um, how many people have you heard that have had to use that particular brand names, um, lifetime warranty and send it in and, oh yeah, you know, a couple of my buddies had to use it and, and it's, you know, they had a problem. It was quick and it was easy and, you know, n n no questions asked. And I said, all right, um, with regards to Leupold, how many people do you know that's ever sent one in? And, and I've yet to have anybody. That's the best warranty you've never heard And of. there you go. And I'm not I mean, trying, I'm, I'm truly not sitting here trying to plug Leupold, but it's hard not to, you get what you pay for. And, and I mean, you don't, knock on wood and, and I'm sh obviously if something happened and somebody had a little we've never had one in the shop brought back well first off that's awesome to hear you know but I, I'll go back to something I mentioned just a second ago is is you know our rifle scopes are made designed manufactured out in Beaverton Oregon and it's it's guys like you and me women men like you and me that are sitting there putting those rifle scopes together mm -hmm. for us I'm not telling you I got a whole factory full of active participants in our industry because that's not the case. Mm -hmm. But I can promise you that every one of them care like they're an active participant in our industry. Right. So that level of care and dedication is going into every optic that we build in that plant. So they don't want to hear it's if there is God forbid, but if there is ever a problem with our pieces and that information makes it back to the factory yeah i can i can attest to that i mean i've i've, I've brought uh you know i wouldn't if they call them issues but maybe ideas to you and 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 very receptive well and and those people hear that the people that are assembling these products that are designing these products they're coming up with these ideas they hear that and they don't want to be the reason right so yeah. I, I, I think we don't need to, we don't need to sit here and, and, and tap our chest with regards to Leupold. Like I said, I, <laughs> I, and, 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 and full, you know, being full disclosure, I have other, other name brand optics, Absolutely. but, but, um, man, you know, Leupold is good stuff. So what I'd like to do, you know, what, what we're trying to do with our podcast is get information out there to the, you know, the, 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 the hunter, 
that's just getting in or the shooter sure. that's just getting into the industry. And, you know, we both can relate back to that and, and that learning curve that Absolutely. our experience has gotten to. So let's just say that you've got somebody out there that, that that's coming in and they're wanting, you know, they're getting their first hunting rifle and, you know, they got a, you know, the, the, the trusty old 30 out six. Can you tell them a little bit? What's first focal plane? What's second focal plane? What's you know? What's the magnif? What do the numbers stand for? Sure. Kind of give us a you know a, a rundown on that, if you will. Sure. So uh, let, let's just start with the numbers in a rifle scope, right? Because yeah. that's what everybody sees first. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you'll see. We'll go to the basic three to nine by forty. Three to nine you'll by forty. The old standard nine x forty. Okay. So the three dash nine that tells you your magnification range. It's telling you that it starts at three power or magnifies an object three times what it would look like with the naked eye, mm -hmm. right? And it'll tell you that it goes all the way up to magnifying an object nine times the, the naked eye, okay? Then you have the, the letter, quote-unquote, <laughs> X, and then there's a number behind that X, right? right? In this case, we're talking about the number 40. That last number, and it will always be a two-digit number, 32, 36, 40, 44, 52. 52, 56. That is the size of the objective bell on the rifle scope in millimeters. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is, there's two ends of a rifle scope. There's an objective bell and there's an ocular piece. The ocular piece is where your eye goes behind. The objective bell is basically pointed at your target. Okay. And look, I've seen the most experienced hunters shoppers come up yep. to the counter and grab a rifle scope. And the first thing they do <laughs> is put the objective piece yep. up to their eye yep. and they look through it and you're like, you know, hold on just a second. Yeah. Or, or when they say, Oh, yep, that looks like a good one. You're like, <laughs> okay, well hold on. So <laughs> you, you politely tell them to turn it around. They get a whole, whole better picture out of it. But <clears throat> to get back to your original question, the numbers. So you'll see a lot of varying numbers. You'll see, one to four, one to six, one to eight, two to 10, <clears throat> four to 16, six to 24, eight to 32, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you're just rough, you know, you're, you're, you're just rolling these numbers off your tongue. You've been in the industry that long. That's why it's so confusing to the consumer. That's why you end up getting the, you know, the consumer. None of us like to feel like we don't know what we're talking about, especially when you know, walk in and, you know, you got your man card, you're in a gun shop and, you know, you just, you know. Well, you're and to be honest with you, Kip, I bet you if you were to survey your consumers coming in that want to put an optic on top of a rifle, they spent probably 80 to 90 percent of their time researching the firearm. Yep. They 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 put all of their money into the firearm and then add the glass on top is a secondary feature. I will argue that 90% of and I think where you're, do it the wrong way. I, you know, I, say, I will 100% agree with you. Um, and I'll take it a step further. One of the things that we kind of use um, lightly, if you will, or roughly here in the shop is, is, you know, they'll ask, well, you know, somebody who's spent, you know, say a thousand dollars on a, on a nice hunting rifle. And then, you know, that that's their, their budget's $1,200. And so then they go and throw a $200 piece of glass on it. And, you know, if they ask us our opinion, which, you know, I, I, I try, I, we, we don't want to just sell a product. Sure. We want to sell an experience. And I feel like we have an obligation to that because if, if we're just trying to sell a, a product, there's, you know, we have competitors out there that are going to do that. And that's not what Absolutely. we're trying to do. So if I sell just a, just a number, just something, or, or somebody out of my shop does that, then 
I'm not doing my job and I'm letting that person down, that consumer down. And I might lose that consumer not only to to my shop, but I could lose I could I could have them not in this industry anymore. And we're you know, we're losing numbers. So it's something we take, you know, in here very seriously. But um, let's not treat it as a commodity, right? Yeah, it's not a commodity that you just go in and and spend money on. This is an investment. Yes. And to make an investment, you need to be you should be. So you spend your money the best way possible, educated. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do sitting down here is to let people know. I can tell you, um, I'm not so proud as to, to, I'm not too proud to say that I didn't, I've had the exact same experience that you personally many years ago of what you just said. I didn't, I, and, and, and my background comes from, I'm more of an archery mm-hmm. guy. So as later on, I got into rifles and hunting and scopes and all that stuff. I didn't know anything. And so, right. you know, I, you know, kind of probably like the vast majority of the learn, learn, uh, listeners out there, that's how I got, you know, my schooling, if you will. And then I, you know, had gotten a little bit more educated and then I opened a shop and then I had to get educated. Um, and so one of the things that we tell them is there, there's kind of a standard and, and you may have heard this and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but spend 50% of what you did on the gun on the optic. Well, yeah. As I've been going through this, this, you know, transformation, if you will, from beginner to where I am now, and I'm by no means an expert. That's why you're sitting here. You know far more than I do. And, and I would tell you, one of the things that I tell our consumers is that 90% of the shooters out there are unable to fully extract the potential out of the vast majority of manufactured weapons. And myself included. So 90% of those shooters are not going to be able to extract, extract the full potential out of that. And the number one way that you can get the most potential is optics. Yeah. And especially uh, we joking around earlier, we talked about, you know, getting older eyes <laughs> as your sight goes. So does, you know, right. then, then you factor in, you know, light gathering, um, then you factor in magnification and all that. So I've started telling our consumers at minimum, at minimum, you should be spending that. But really, I would spend dollar for dollar. You know, it it comes down to budget, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and there firearms manufacturers today, you, you can get so much quality out it's of unbelievable. a gun anymore that it's just you know 30 40 years ago you couldn't you weren't able to say that. But legitimately now, I don't think it's 30 or 40 years ago. I'm I genuinely believe 10. 15 yeah. in the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, you look at, look at how many, um, factory custom guns you can get. I mean, right. Uh, uh, basically every major manufacturer out there is putting out a semi-custom yeah, with, type I rifle mean, carbon fiber barrel yep. and you know, they're taking bit, triggers. Yeah. They're taking, yep. they're not even, I think, I believe, um, and I'm, you know, we're, we're the ones that are right here in the shop it's a very smart move for those manufacturers that are that are taking other components from other manufacturers that already, you know, you know, know what they're doing. Um, and they're putting them together into their rifle and, and the the rifles and, and, and handguns for that matter too, like staccato, um, you know, the Dan Wessons that, I mean, you're talking, these are, these are high end weapons that, that, that. So even to that point though, so why then, quote unquote, save 
on your optic when your optics is the thing that's going to identify your animal for you. Yep. It's it, that's going to tell you whether or not that deer that you see at 300, 400, 200, whatever the case may be is one you want to shoot. That optic is going to tell you, Hey, you know what? He's got a four inch kicker coming off the right side Yep. or, or that bull, you know, especially dawn, early dawn, late dusk. Right. The, which or what the two prime shooting there hours for hunters, you know, is yeah. first 30 minutes hour after sunrise and the first 30 minutes, you know, before sunset and mm-hmm. after sunset, you know, it's being able to gather that image, which, you know, here's, here's something to really consider when you're in the store. And this is something that I did when I was working retail is fluorescent lighting inside the store is the great equalizer. Yep. It makes a hundred dollar optic look like a thousand dollar optic. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of evens out under fluorescence. What I invite people to do, if they have the opportunity, is to compare optics side by side outside. Absolutely. And we do that on a very regular basis. You know, um, find defining features like uh, this this downtown that we're sitting in has some really cool architecture. And you can like find bricks it's, or it's, find scroll work in those bricks and try to identify that with yes. with the optics you know we do that exact thing and 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 i promise to the listeners out there this was not scripted <laughs> I, I promise it was not scripted but we do genuinely do that exact thing uh, we go out no on the kidding. sidewalk yeah we do go out on the sidewalk and sometimes there's you know sometimes we have an optic on a on a rifle or whatever and you know luckily we're in a, a, a small town middle america um, you know, we're downtown main street, but here we are with a <laughs> rifle out on pond here. No, it's not, uh, <laughs> you know, thank goodness. And, and God bless. Right. But, um, you know, we'll be on the sidewalk with a rifle and, and there are some, you know, w- w- for our listeners out there, we're 40, 30, 30 miles, uh, 40 minutes from Wichita. So we have a lot of customers that do come down from Wichita and they're like, um, is this okay? Like, yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. You know, so anyway, um, it but wasn't scripted, but you're, that's exactly right. And I would tell you, I, I guess I'm going to ask you this, but I think I know the answer. So, um, when we're getting into, um, higher end glass, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, you're really spending some coin now, some of the upper end optics, Leupold has them and then, and then going with other competitors sure. as well. I've had other people in this industry like yourself tell me that what I see with my eye the glass with this particular brand may not be the same thing that you see with your eye. And so once you get to that really high end glass, you may, you know, everybody knows the name Swarovski. Sure. But I can tell you for myself personally, and that's a great, they're a great company, great glass. I'm not going to argue that period, the end, but I can tell you that my eyes don't work and see the best through that glass as opposed to other companies out there. Look, there, there's a lot that goes into building a rifle scope, right? It's not just an aluminum tube and a couple lenses Amen. inside. There's there, there's actual science that's used to develop an optical path within the rifle scope. In developing that at rifle scope, it doesn't always fit everybody's eyes. Look, we can make some fine focus adjustments. However, the human eye is a crazy thing, and everybody's is different. So what looks outstanding to me out of one may look completely different to a different user. Right. You know? And so that's why we always invite everybody to look through multiple rifle scopes before making a decision. And I would urge, uh, I'm going to double down and urge what you talked about is, you know, inside of a retail store setting, even the big box stores that, you know, that are, you know, a hundred yards or 150 yards, 
in my opinion, if I was the consumer and I'm dropping hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, if they're not going to let me take it outside where I'm going to be using it all the time, I don't think I'm going to do business there. That's just myself. That's a rough call. You know, you're right. Cause you aren't getting a true picture. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're never, <clears throat> let's just be honest. You're never going to use it in that setting. You aren't. And you know, it, it, it it's hard to do inside a retail. I've worked, I worked for a big box retailer. Um, and we would have people focus on dark corners of the building. Like, can you see back through that dark corner, you know, mm -hmm. but fluorescent but it's lights still unnatural. It, it, it is, it, it is. So, you know, the, the question that we always got when I was working behind the counter, you know, somebody would come up and they got their first 30 out six and two forty three, whatever the case may be. And they'd be like, all right, what scope do I need to put on there? You know, we, we always taught, people ask questions the guys behind the counter whoever's working behind the counter ask questions there's no right? such thing as a stupid question right i period the end and so the first question we always ask is what are you going to use it for yep and you know the common response is well we got, got a rifle i'm getting ready to go do my first deer hunt we got our 80 acres you know okay so you're talking like a couple hundred yard shot right mm -hmm. maybe what do you aspire to do do you want to go antelope hunting because if you just bought that 30 out six there's basically nothing in North America outside of the big grizz that you can't take that 30-06 and go harvest. So what do you really want to do? That way, if you get the opportunity, you've got the optic to, to go be able to Absolutely. do that with. Yeah. You know, and so and, and enjoy it. Right. Exactly. Because it's gonna make the, it could make the difference it, between I think you were right when you started. It's gonna. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to have success, you're going to have to use the optic if you're rifle hunting. Right. Mm, Larry, the end. Not everybody aspires to go antelope hunting nope. or go elk. Some people just want a deer hunt. I, and there's nothing. That's great. Three nine by 40 probably suits you just fine. Mm -hmm. But once you start stretching out past that 200, 300 yard mark, now you're going to start you looking older. for magnification and you get older. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to start looking for that added magnification. You're going to look for something that goes up to 12 power or 14 power, or 16 power on the top end. That way, you can identify those animals ethically mm -hmm. at long range so you know whether to take the shot or not. Yep. And another saying that, that I think falls into this this realm is you'd rather have it uh, have it, or have it, not need it than need it and not have it. Um, Absolutely. With magnification, you know, 3 to 9 by 40, that's great. But then once you've looked at something with a greater magnification, I, I can tell you for myself, and I hear it a lot of times with consumers, is, man, why, I didn't, why didn't I have that? Now, I'll never go back to that. So, you know, and that's where we try to step in and say, well, if you're not going to go, you know, if you're just going to stick around here and go hunting, then you probably don't need to spend your money, the extra money on that. Right. Or spend the extra money on getting a, a more clear or, or a higher quality optic with the same type of magnification because so it's what's going to fit for what your the application that you're going to use it right and and look in today's current age you've got these unbelievable magnification ratios right your your standards what the industry was brought up on was a three times erector system which mm -hmm. meant like three to nine right so three to nine is is uh you have a denominator of three right in that that's a so three x four to system. twelve 
Right. Now you have four to six teens. That's a four X erector mm -hmm. system. So you've seen these erector systems increase over the years. And what that allows the consumer to do is to have a wider magnification range. So hopefully you're able to encompass more shooting scenarios with a single optic. Mm hmm. Personally speaking, we have an unbelievable rifle scope in the VX5 HD family. It has a 5X erector sy system, so we have a 2 to 10, or we have a 3 to 15. Between those two scopes, you've probably covered 99.9% .9 of your hunting mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, situations. And when, I mean, I can, I've been in the industry, and I, it just dawned on me until you said this, but I, I mean, I don't remember when it happened, but when we went, it was uh, from what I remember when I first got in it. I, I think wasn't it always a three by everything used ever to be was a three, a three yeah yeah. <clears throat> so and then it was a four X became the right. big thing. Yeah. So when did four X just for our listeners to kind of give it out there? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but no, it you know four X really found its sweet spot with a six to twenty four. Mm -hmm. Okay, it, it it really kind of found its home in that long range target slash varmint prairie dog right you know long coyote type community um because look right now prs the hottest thing in the market yeah you know on, on the action shooting side everybody's shooting long range now it didn't used to be like that right it, long range was a very very small niche, niche. Market, yeah and we're um, seeing that in the shop a lot of that a lot of a lot of of hunters are coming right. in and wanting to, to trickle over to that so that 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 six to 24 really was mid to late 80s mm -hmm. you start to you start to see that and along with the six to 24 you had a lot of four 16s mm -hmm. come in the problem was to to you always wanted to capture the low end of that market which kind of lent you to either a two to eight or a two and a half to ten well a two and a half to ten sounds better mm -hmm. it's bigger right <clears throat> sounds more but the two and a half to 10 never really caught on because the three to nine was so ingrained. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like Kleenex. Mm -hmm. it, it's like, you want a hunting scope? Get three to nine. That's mm -hmm. what grandpa shot. That's what dad and shot. We hear that That's still what my uncle shot. With the, with the, in the shop. Oh, I can guarantee you of all the animals that have been killed in the last 60 years, 90% have probably been shot with a three to nine by 40 sitting on top. Right. There is nothing wrong. With that scope. Right. That is money day in, day out. Bread and butter. If you want more, there are now more options available to the consumer. And that's mm -hmm. a good thing. Yeah. And it, they're, the best thing about it is they're available to the consumer at every price point. Mm -hmm. So if somebody can't afford $1,000, that's fine. Absolutely. You have that option now at $300, at $200, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. With all the entrance that we have seen into the optics market market in the last twenty years, there there is a choice. There is a product for every price point and every use that's out there in the market that's in the consumer market today. Right. So we kind of got off track there a little bit um, talking about all that. But so you were talking about numbers before we kind of delved yeah. off. So the three to nine by forty, the forty you was you were mentioning that the forty. Um, with regards to that, how does that relate to your tube size? So your your, your so, which which then equates to your ring size. Yeah, you know, um, you've seen over the years, um, is really in the last ten years, ten to fifteen years, you have seen the rise of thirty millimeter tube rifle scopes in the U.S. market, mm -hmm. right? Which 
we could end up going down some rabbit holes here right. <laughs> about light and everything else. And I don't really want to because one of the biggest one of the biggest misconceptions is the bigger the objective bell, the more light your eye gets, and that's not really the case. It can be. It is a factor in the light gathering. It's not the only factor in light gathering. The first two numbers that we were talking about, the three to nine, also have a determination in the, in the amount of light that is reached back to your eye after it bounces off so many lenses and finally makes it to your eye. <clears throat> the tube size, generally speaking, doesn't have much to do with that at all. Really where tube size plays the biggest role is the amount of elevation travel that you'll find in your rifle scopes. So if you want more travel, get a bigger tube size, 30 millimeter, 34 millimeter, 35 And when you're millimeter. saying elevation travel, you're talking about the ability to shoot farther distances, correct? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yeah. And and again, trying to keep everything as basic as we can for for those individuals out there to, to help them, you know, pass through this learning curve of, um, you know, rifle scopes and optics and all that. It's what, with regards to the, the height of the ring, or is it, you know, the, there's the, the common in the industry, get it as close as you possibly can, can to the center, of the, center of the bore with still having some type of a pass through. I know a dime, a nickel, a quarter, right. Uh, float a dollar bill underneath. Float a dollar bill underneath, and 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 I, I guess for me, a dollar bill seems like it's a little too close. But I mean, tell, please tell me a little bit about that. So, in the past, there was not nearly as much elevation travel in the rifle scopes as there is as there is currently. A lot of that has to do with product enhancements. We've learned over the years how to improve the build process to allow us more elevation travel. So. In doing so, it has, it has allowed us to mount the scopes higher and higher over bore while maintaining the ability to zero our rifle. Now, and so just real quick to zero rifle, what, what our listeners need to understand is, is that because the scope is, you know, one inch, two inches or less than one inch higher than the, the center of the bore, and the, the ballistics of the bullet, when it comes out of the muzzle, it's going to, at first, most will rise a little bit, and then it's obviously going to start dropping. Right. And so when we do a 100-yard zero or a 200-yard zero or whatever X, then at that point, that's where our bullets, our bullet and our line of, our Side, scope's line yeah. of sight is going to cross. Right. And that's what we're trying to get. And so with that, then from the 200-yard, if we're using a 200-yard zero, then from there, we're wanting to try and reduce or make the ultimately make the scope as accurate with as little amount of fudge right. if you will on it with drop and all of that so there's right. a lot of moving parts in all this elevation there heat, is uh, temperature <sighs> i mean it really gets complicated it, it does and and look the fact of the matter is the one thing consumers should worry about when they're buying a rifle scope don't care about uh, tube size is helpful objective bell is helpful magnification range is helpful what feels good when it's on the rifle and your head is down on the rifle stock? Your natural cheek weld. Close your eyes. Bring the rifle up to your shoulder. Where does your cheek land? Okay? Great Most point. important thing, find your natural cheek weld. Great point. We After that, then we can, we take that. That's another point to take into consideration where we're mounting 
are choosing a rifle scope. You don't want one that's so high that you're having to put the bottom of your chin on top, you know, as your cheek well. It might look cool in Hollywood to be able to <laughs> to, to look underneath the, the... But it's not natural. Correct. And so when we're in a hunting situation, we want that gun to come up as an extension of us. And we want to feel natural. We want our head to feel natural behind it. We want there to be plenty of what we call an eye box. It's the space between the end of the eyepiece, the ocular end of the rifle scope, and where your eye goes. You want a nice box that you can put your head behind that, and you're able to see a full picture through the scope, and you've got plenty of eye relief. So there when you we go, pull eye the relief. trigger. And so for the for the listeners out there, they're gonna. That's one of the other things. That, you know, what's the eye relief? The eye relief is when you try to get that full picture, the full tube image right. in the scope and how far your eye is relative from the, you know, the, the front edge of the, of the ocular side of the scope to how far back you are. And again, going back to the natural, you don't want to be too close or else you'll hear it. You, you end up with one of the, the, get a nice scope the, ring, the old scope <laughs> ring. Yeah. And, and if, if you've never had one, boy, you don't want it, one. It, it's coming. And, it, and if you, if you, if you're in this industry long enough, you're going to see it, somebody that has one and it just sticks out like a sore thumb. And um, I've seen world famous outdoor writers. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. With scope Yes. That's it. Shot show. Yeah. You know, it, it, it happens. Yeah. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Nope. It'll, it'll ring your bell and you'll learn never to do that. Make that mistake yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. I had a good buddy of mine. He, and, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but in, and he's, he's, um, he's into guns, but he's not necessarily a gun guy or, you know, uh, um, but he has weapons and everything. And, um, I met him out one night, um, for dinner and, and he come walking in and, and he had the, the scope <laughs> ring. And the first thing I said to him was, um, what caliber was it? And he just looked at me and he was kind of like, what? And I said, how'd you know? I said, I know what that is. <laughs> knock, know. knock on wood. I've not had one. I mean, yet you're I'm right. sure it'll happen at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so you're talking about the eye relief yep. and we're talking about height. So you want to make sure you have, again, find your natural cheek weld. Two, when you look through that rifle scope, you want to make sure, like you said just a minute ago, you want to see a full picture when you're looking through that rifle scope. So what that means is you don't want to see any black around the edges. Right. You want it to look like you're looking through, looking at your TV, okay? Mm -hmm. If you start moving your head a little bit, it'll the picture will appear to shift on you and you'll start seeing black around the edges. That's called vignetting. And it's very common in rifle scopes, no matter who makes or how good a quality or how good a quality does not matter. You get out of alignment from behind that. You're going to see that vignetting. What you're looking for is a scope that allows you the most room for error, if you will, behind that scope, allowing you to still see a full picture Mm -hmm. by moving your head around. Okay. Yep. Get the headset. Natural cheek weld. Look, there's going to be, there's a million factors that go into the height, the rings you, that you need. Barrel contour, you know, bull barrels versus straight barrels mm-hmm. versus a number seven contour, et cetera. All, ha- all can play into how close we can mount that scope to the center of the bore. Um, the objective bell size is going to make a difference on how close that scope can be mounted to the center of the bore. Generally speaking, anything over 44 millimeter objective is going to have to be 
mounted on high rings, which is going to change your cheek weld. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to raise your face up off the stock a little bit to be able to center yourself behind the rifle scope. Right. Some cases that's fine, especially on low caliber type stuff where there's not a lot of recoil, big deal. You can, you can get up high on like that. A lot of specialty made rifles that have a lot of weight to them to absorb mm -hmm. the recoil out of uh, uh, when you take a shot, you can move up like that. And that's why you see a lot of the PRS guys go lift one of their rifles. Yeah. It, it's not light. No. Well, and they don't want it to be light because they're wanting it to to be accurate, not move. I mean, Stay it's on kinda, target. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But they use a big objective bell scope. You don't see those guys with 40s. They're all using 50s, 52, 56 millimeter objectives mm -hmm. out of there, right? Which, again, each time we talk about objective size, we're going to talk about in relation to a ring size. It's all tied together, right? So <clears throat> 44 millimeter and below... You can get by with medium rings. Generally speaking. Generally speaking, which is going to allow you to keep it natural cheek weld. You can go smaller. There's some like, let's just say dangerous game scopes. Usually have a 24 millimeter objective or a 32 millimeter objective, something in that range. You can go with low rings. You're going to get down a little bit tighter on a gun when you do that, but it's still, it's, it's still a pretty natural cheek weld for mm -hmm. an individual. Um, but again, objective size, barrel contour, you know, all goes into play on how we pick rings to mount that. Right. And what we try to tell our customers, bring the weapon in absolutely, because you're, there is no, I don't care how big the shop is box store. You, they can't carry every option of rings because it's, sure. it's, it's endless. Um, right. and, and we try our best to have in stock what, you know, what we need to get the vast majority of them, but inevitably, and I mean, I would even tell you that, that even our outlets, our distributors and our, our buy groups, they don't even have all of, right. of, you know, even Leupold or, or any other, they don't even carry all of those. There's times where we got to go to different, different, um, places to find them. So, it is very important to bring the, the optic and the rifle together to, 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 to marry in them, if you will. Absolutely. And I, I want to build on this a little bit more because I think rings and bases are probably one of the most misunderstood and also one of the most frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell you my is frustrating. I mean, as, as somebody who's I'm, I'm there with the consumer and it's one of those things that it's I think I can only speak for myself. And I, I guess I've never asked the consumer, but I, I'm making an assumption. We all know where that leads us. But it's it's just a base. It's just a ring. It's right. just this little thing. So why can't I just spent all this money on my rifle? And, and and that's the other thing is is it doesn't matter how much money they spent on the rifle. Everybody's got a budget, and that budget yep. is 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 it's the same. It's that same feel. It's that same tickle to them. So they've just spent all this money on the rifle. They just spent all this money on the optic. Just put it together. I wanted to use it. I right. want to work. How you mean to tell me you don't have that in stock? <sighs> so it's like, and, and I would even take it another step further and say, thank goodness for Jeff. There are times where even with the resources that I have, I've called you and said, Hey, <laughs> yeah. not, not often. <laughs> and I'm driving down a highway. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have you seen this? Well, you walked into the shop today and we just had one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So, yeah. So for the consumer out there, it's not just as easy as, you know, it's, it's, not. it's, it's not riding a bike. And, and look, it, it, rings and bases are one of those decisions that is generally made during purchase that is convenience, right? It's 
what's here. Okay. I'll grab this. This will fit it. And this will fit it. I grab it. And, and there's not a lot of thought that in most cases that goes into it, which is a huge mistake. There's two major differences in the ring and base category. Okay. It's mainly in the base, but also in the rings, aluminum versus steel. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have aluminum rings and bases and you have steel rings and bases out in the market. Steel are generally thought of to be of higher quality and can handle more recoil and more torque because more robust. Right. Then the maybe, aluminum, maybe that's right? not a good word because they're basically the same same size, but they're more rigid, maybe. That's that'd be a fair assumption. Yeah. You have all seen if you haven't, it's coming. Every shop I've ever worked in, I've seen some guy bring in a rifle. Yep. And he, I was like, well, how, how, how'd you, how many inch pounds did you tighten those rings down on that scope? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I just kept turning until it wouldn't turn anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can see the dent, mm-hmm. you know, like it has compressed the rifle scope too. Yes. You know, and you're like, I, I, I think I may know why we aren't hitting our target. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> so there's also specifications, whether or not it's a, steel ring or an aluminum ring, how many inch pounds you can torque down mm-hmm. the screws to. And so I would highly suggest to everybody, this is one of those things, do not throw away the instructions, read them and match it. Amen. So get your torque wrench out, set that. If it's, if it's a base, if it's one of our bases, uh, you know, it could be 65 inch pounds. Let's turn it down until we hit that click at 65. If it's a ring, maybe it's a 28 inch pound on the ring. That's not to say that ring couldn't take more. It's to say that rifle scope tube can't take. Well, there's a lot of other elements and factors into that, too, because you can also run into situations where if you go, if you torque it too far, then you're getting into the action or you're getting into the, you know, into the barrel. And and look, like you, I've probably had the opportunity to set up thousands upon thousands upon thousands. I think you set up way more than me. That's why you're sitting there. But I have (laughs) set them up and I've seen a few uh, bad situations. Very rarely. And I, I, I say this with a broad brush. Very rarely have I ever seen the problem be the optic. Very rarely. Yeah. It's, there is usually an underlying problem. Uh, the, the screw holes in the receiver aren't tapped straight. Um, the, there's, there's a milling flaw somewhere. There's, I'm not going to say any names, but I called you a year or so, a year and a half ago, and there was a, a very good manufacturer yeah. that was sending out product that... Whose who's firearms I own plenty and of. And I had have no problem buying them. And when you Absolutely told not. me what was going on, and you could see it visually with your eye, and, you know, I didn't have any idea. Right. And, you know, it, it just because it's past quality control and just because it's in a... Things a, can happen. Yes. To anybody, anywhere. Yeah. And we've seen stuff in... In, in, in the shop here with our gunsmith that we, we ended up calling the manufacturer and, and they were able to tell us, okay, well, we found that there was, you know, five or so rifles or 12 rifles were weapons that came through with this serial number and we changed the die. Right. And, and we had one where the, the threads were different. And our gunsmith was like, dude, I'm telling you, these threads are not what, what they're supposed yeah. to be. And 
they were. And so we ended up, and, and everybody we talked to said, there ain't no way, there's no way. And you know, he had a, a I've learned know, never say that can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately we called manufacturer, manufacturer. The first phone call was no. And then the second phone call back, cause we're still trying to figure out, you know, we're, we're looking for a resolution for right. the customer. Sure. And we talked to somebody else and then they, Oh yeah, we did have an issue. Oh, and looked up the serial number. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's one. These, these are a different thread. So I'll tell you, you know, that's an anomaly. A lot but. of things can, there's a lot of things that go into mounting a rifle scope correctly, right? Mm -hmm. That's why one of the, we've had, we, as in Leupold, we have been manufacturing the standard bases for, I can't even tell you how many years. It used to be about the only. Since Hector was a pup. But, right? I mean, it is kind of what we're known for. Mm -hmm. In In this, in the current environment that we're in, Everything's coming with a pick rail now, right? I mean, right. everything everything's pick rail related now. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And, and there's a lot of pluses to using pick rails. And mm -hmm. I use pick rails. Everybody uses pick rails. That's great. But if you go for that, if you have that classic bolt action hunting rifle, yeah. and you want that classic look, and you go get your Leupold standard bases, the great thing about standards is that rear base has a windage adjustment in it. So when we find those little issues, like, ah, this receiver's not tapped exactly right, we can adjust those screws on the back end to take out a lot of, a lot of the air that mm -hmm. we'll find in manufacturing, et cetera, to help zero a rifle. Pick rails are great. They don't give you yep. that adjustment. No, there's not. Yeah. And I would tell you, you would kind of hit on with regards to, you know, for lack of better terms, horror stories that customers bring in and issues and, and that kind of stuff. I, I kind of was running through my head right there when you said that. And I think every single one that we've had come through the shop all comes back to brings or bases. Yeah. And one thing I'll tell all your customers, Kip, is every year I, I, I know what it's like. It's the day before rifle season. You go into the gun safe, you grab your deer rifle out. You know, you give it a once over, you're like, hey, everything's great. You throw in the case, it's sitting out there getting ready, put in the truck next morning. It's awesome. Big mistake. Check your rings and bases yep. every year. Check to make sure none of the screws have backed out. We, Weird things happen. We man. get we get a couple times a year at least. Customer comes it, in, hey, can you get me this top piece to this base to this, you know, ring or this, you know, I'm missing this screw or and, you know, I've had it for 10 years. I don't know what, you know, and then I shot and it, you know, I missed and I couldn't believe it. And you know, then all of a sudden I, you know, further examination, I'm missing a screw. I'm right? missing a bolt. I, I'm telling you that. So I've been in this industry a long time, 25 plus years. And and along those lines, threadlock. I, I mean, I never put threadlock on a ring, on ring screws. I have no issue whatsoever with putting on screws when it's being screwed into the base. Mm -hmm. um, no issue whatsoever rings just because I have a, t I personally have a tendency to change scopes out pretty frequently. Um, Leopold always comes out with something new that I think I have to have and right. I go grab it and yeah, I, I got to swap they do it have out. Cool stuff. Um, but everybody I'd tell you check because I and, didn't. And you, when you check the other reason why you don't, you feel comfortable doing that is because you check. That. Right. And, and look, I did one year and I flat out missed. And I brought my gun back home, and I am I am 
madder than a hornet. I'm cussing up a storm. If you haven't done it, you will only do it one time, and then you will check it because it's always on that monster, the one that got away. And once you've had it happen one time, you'll it will never happen again. It there might be some. There will again. be another Murphy's Law rule that'll happen, but that will not happen. And, and I, couldn't I even agree took with it you. to a buddy of mine that is a professional PRS shooter, and I'm I am screaming mad, and I'm like. What happened? What went wrong? Rah! And he's like, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Hey, Redding, did you bother to check this? And I'm mm -hmm. like, I will never forget Humble to pie. check that ever again. Yep. And that's a lot of times people bring stuff in and into the shop. And that's, you know, yeah. it just, you get so worked up and you get frustrated. We all do it. And, you know, you're, you're, you run into an issue. Um, and we've had other issues. Again, I'm not trying to, 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 to talk down on competitors, but we've had other issues with customers will come in and they're, they're coming from a big box store where they didn't get, you know, they, they had yeah. somebody behind the counter and it's nothing against that person behind the counter because they don't have the resources that we have. Sure. Something as simple as Google. They're not allowed to be on their phone, but you know, we pipe, you know, pop in and, and, and you can't know everything in this. That's right. the one thing I can tell you in this industry is, is there is so much that you don't even know that you don't know, which is again, the reason why you're sitting right here, but we've had it happen on, where customers will come in and they got the entire wrong rings and or bases and they're just spitting fire mad because they can't get it. They can't even get right. it to zero. And, you know, upon further look real quick examination, Hey, you don't even have the right rings for this. This is an older model Savage, or this is a, you know, a newer model, whatever. Right. And so, you know, again, the right application, the right tools. And, and that's why we're talking. Yeah, and it, something, it goes back to something that you said at the beginning of the conversation was, you know, being able to get extract the most out of your hunting setup, right? Whereas people probably only extract maybe 30%, 40% of what their mm -hmm. hunting setup can really do. Um, that's one of the things I love about what we've done at Leopold is we have looked for ways to help consumers get the most out of their hunting experience. And one of the really neat tools that we developed was the custom dial system, the CDS. CDS. And if you've never used this, and I told you when we were talking on the phone before this, I said, I need to take y'all out to the range sometime and set up a range day so you can all get behind these CDS dials. We produce these CDS dials from everywhere from our entry level scope, $299.99, all the way up to our top of the end mm -hmm. rifle scopes. And it functions the same. And what it allows the shooter to do is throw away that little card that they may have had taped to their yep. buttstock or have on a little sleeve on their forearm that shows them their drop yep. at each one of the distances, either in mill or MOA. We cut a dial for you. You give us a set of information, ballistic coefficient, some atmospherics, what type of bullet, et cetera. And we will do and tell us what you zeroed at. And we will then go and cut this dial mm -hmm. that it, so let's just say, for example, we zero at 100, we have a 100 yard mark and then we cut that 30 out six, 180 grain. And it's bullet. based upon the ballistics. It and, is. And you talked about atmospheric press. So <clears throat> temperature elevation, and it doesn't have to be, you're taking with regards to this for the average hunter, you're taking, you know, where do you usually hunt? Right. At? What elevation are you usually, what is the temperature? And then within that, you can have a variance. Absolutely. And then if you we have a pretty good variance, right? There. I mean, ours is like 2000 feet elevation and it's like 20 degrees on temperature. Right. Um, so if you set it at, 
let's just say 30 degrees, you can get go down to 10 degrees and up to 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. If it's below 10 degrees, I'm not hunting anyway. Right. I, I'm to get the age thing. Right. <laughs> I'm too old for that. Yeah. Um, but it, there is some variance in there. But man, now, and if you get as I would tell the to listeners out there, if you get to the point where that becomes a factor, you already know. Right. We don't need to touch base yeah, and go it, delve into that here. In any point of impact shift is minimal at that point anyway. It doesn't really have that great a degree of effect on it. Um, but now, instead of worrying about, hey, that target's at 400 yards, I got to dial 4.8 mils or 3.6 mils, whatever the case may be. You just dial to the 400-yard mark and pull the trigger. I mean, like, as a hunter, we have enough things to worry about yes. between antler size and an- animals moving and making sure we have a clear shot and everything like that. This way, this way with our CDS dial, lays the target, turn the dial, pull the trigger. Right. So you you said mill MOA. And again, <laughs> another you can get Let's I mean, go down rabbit this hole. rabbit hole. <laughs> so mill MOA, right. minutes of angle, mill. That's another question we have people come in and ask us, which one do I want? So great question. Um, for year for since the beginning of rifle scopes. MOA has kind of been the standard. Minutes of angle has been the standard, right? And that means, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, um, and I think I've been lying to everybody if I have, but at 100 yards, if the if it's five MOA, then you've got five inches at 100 yards. Yeah, one MOA is r- relatively equal to one inch at 100 100 yards. Um, and I guess what I was going there, like using red dots for example. So if it's a five mil. Five MOA. M- yeah, five. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. Five MOA red dot at 100 yards. It's going to. It roughly covers up a circle approximately five inches. And if you take 100, so if it's 100 yards, that's it. So at 50 yards. It's twice that. It's twice that. 10, 10 inches. Okay. So yeah. that that right there will. Very, very few people know that. Oh. And, and I'm talking even <laughs> experienced people. Yeah. And I, so then you toss in mill. So. Mill rating came out, came about because of the U S military. Right. right. <clears throat> um, and for the longest time, it wasn't widely used in our community, i.e. the hunting community. Mm-hmm. It just what look 99.9% of scopes at a certain time were built with quarter MOA click values. Very easy. Four clicks equals an inch at a hundred yards. Yep. It, that's easy to remember. It, it's, it's easy for the division. So if we got to go out to 200, it covers more, you know, mm-hmm. 50 yards. It's take that half of it. Um, mill rating was different. And again, it wasn't used greatly in the hunting community in the long range shooting community. It, it was used to some degree. However, what we saw coming back, especially from the end of the Gulf War, mm-hmm. we saw a lot of servicemen and women come back and get into the shooting sports. Right. And with that came the... They didn't want to retrain. It, they were used to using mill rating. It was second. It was, it was the back it's of their hands. It's what hand. they knew. It's what hunters knew is MOA. MOA. Military, so, ex-military per- personnel were that familiar with mill rating. And so you saw it starting to get integrated into more and more scopes. Right. Started out strictly in that PRS community. Everybody started using mill radian in the PRS community, okay? Then you started getting guys, and this is another rabbit hole, matching the reticle 
to the click value. So if you were in MOA, you had an MOA marked reticle. If you had a mill marked click value, you had a mill marked reticle. Again, different rabbit hole. But <clears throat> over time, because mill rating was being used at these shooting events so frequently, the best shooters were using mill radian. It got taught to the younger guys, the people coming up, the new people getting in. And next thing you know, it has just proliferated itself through all of the shooting community, mm -hmm. hunting, action shooting, sports, whatever. Mill radian became, I, it still runs a number two, you know, to MOA in most cases um, and in most areas. But it's widely accepted now. So what I tell, um, and again, I, I'm, I guess I'm posing this question. Um, one thing I get asked is, which one's better? And then the other, what I tell customers is, what what have have you shot, or do what other scopes do you have? Or if they're MOA, then stick with that. And or what does your hunting partners? What do they use? Because yeah. If you've got there's a there's a formula, but if you've got one guy running a mill and one guy running MOA, then you got to do a quick calculation to get on the same page, so to say. Right. So, first question. Neither is better. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> and I tell they're both great. They're both great. They are what they are. It's just a measuring system. What are you most comfortable with? What are you most comfortable with? If if you're running, um, say you have some sort of long range rifle and you have mill on top of that, probably be best served to have a your hunting scope and mill also because yeah. it's what you're familiar with. Yeah. And I would tell you that that's kind of one of the things too, is like, like when I've had, I have had customers, you know, the customers that, that come in and buy a lot and they're like, okay, I want this scope. When you know that they're running MOA or there, you know that they're running mill. And it's like, all right, so you do know that's a different, yeah, but I can. And then they, it's not, they don't like it. Yeah. It, they, it's, um, I'm trying to think of an analogy to run here and I'm, I'm getting stumped. You don't want to have, you want to minimize the amount of variance you have in your different kits. So if you have different kit for coyote and a different mm -hmm. kit for whitetail, and then you have, a, you know, an elk kit, and then you have, maybe you love to target and you have a target kit. Mm -hmm. Ideally, those would all be in the same type of measurements yeah. for ease of use for the end user. Right. You know, um, but that's the biggest, you know, if a customer comes in and asks, what do they want? Either is great. Yeah, there's not there's not a wrong answer. But once you start with that, then you need to stay with that. I and will then... tell you most inexperienced hunters. OK, let's let's break this down in subclasses. Right. That hunting classification, if they aren't doing anything outside of hunting, MOA, mm -hmm. MOA all day long. <clears throat> If a guy gets into really long range hunting, he's probably doing target shooting on the side too. Right. Probably mill radian. Mm -hmm. Most, there are some reticles coming out now in MOA, but still most Christmas tree type reticles are done in mill radian anymore. Mm -hmm. You have a lot larger swath to choose from. So <clears throat> you're probably going to stay in that mill radian path. Can a person do either or? If hey, you're good at absolutely. Math. And if you buy a loophole and you have the CDS dial, you don't have to worry about it. You there just you dial go. to the yardage, exactly. brother. Right. Pound the there target. Doesn't matter. So or or you're good at math. Or you're good at math. Which, yeah, you, you gotta know, be good at math. I'm a history major, so there, I yeah. <laughs> math is not, math, strong yeah, it's not suit. my strong suit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one other thing that I want to talk about today before we get out of here is 
and and I'm I'm sure you've heard of it. You know, we have customers, and and maybe this is uh you know taking money out of my back pocket, but again, we're doing this for the experience. We're trying to help the customer, but you know, you've probably had the, the customer that comes in and said, you know, I need to get one more box. I'm just about got this thing zeroed in. <laughs> and so, you know, they, they got it, they got it bore sighted, you know, the, the shop bore sighted for them. They took it out and they're trying to get, you know, let's just freeze numbers. Let's just say they're doing a hundred yard, hundred yard zero. And they've gone through, you know, 20, 20 rounds and they're just about got it dialed in. And I can tell you the day that I found out about the, you know, the, the, the two shot zero and I actually call it really a three shot. zero. So, yeah, it's really a three shot. Yeah. Um, but when I s- had it explained to me, I felt like I was the dumbest dude in the whole world. It's, it's the most simplistic, easy thing in the whole world. So, Once you hear it, you're just like, what? First off, the biggest misconception out there, especially for new hunters is mm-hmm. more sighting allows them to go hunting wrong. You, somebody couldn't be more. You're not even close. uninformed. It just gets you on paper, so that, to say. Yeah, in in at best, shoot at fifty yards. After it's bore sighted, there take it go. to fifty mm-hmm. and get yourself see where it's hitting on that paper. Yes. Do your course adjustments, and when I mean course adjustments, get close to a zero at fifty. Yep. Then, then back up to hundred. I could not agree with you more. And so again, now we just took a three shot and took it into four shot. But let's just say, for for this example, that. We we got the gun, we got the the glass. Yep. We've got our you know Leopold sitting on the top of it. We've got the bases, the the right ones. We've got it bore sighted. We take it out. We've shot. We're going to make a hundred yard zero. So we um we, we shoot it. We got it on paper and 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 we're on a bench. Yep. Which is going to save you ammo. So again, these are best case scenarios. But but man, I can't tell you how much this will make your experience uh-huh. much more enjoyable yeah. and let's just be honest with ammo prices, especially today, (laughs) less expensive. Right. Especially when you get into some of them big calibers. Right. So you're at a hundred yards for this example. We've got our, our rifle sitting in a, you know, in a lead sled. It's, it's buckled down. It's not moving. We have the reticle setting on the, our target and we shoot and we're four inches right and three inches low. So at that point, take the reticle Move it towards the bullseye. So, so make sure that the that the scope when you when you look back through there, make sure the scope hasn't moved, that Correct. the sled hasn't moved. So you still have your reticle dead center, and then at that point you reach up and you adjust the scope down four over two to put the 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 reticle's yeah. X on the bullet hole that was just shot. Right. And then at that point, assuming that the gun didn't move, or if it did move, you put it back to zero. You should be able to then at that point chamber around, yeah. take the safety off, and if you, you want should to punch you, the tendering at that point. Yeah, if you want to, you could then at that point put it back up at dead zero, shoot, and at that point it should yeah. be should be you should be good to go, pretty dang good to go. Shoot. And then you might want to micro adjust. I shoot three there. shots. It's the way I've always been taught. And I, man, I we in the shop group. we show people that, and I'm talking seasoned. Dudes, guys yeah. that I know personally that if you asked me, I would say, man, they know a world more about guns, rifles, optics than I do. And we tell them, you know how to do the two shot or three shot zero. And they look at us like we got, you know, you know, four eyes and then take a little piece of paper and, and roll it. And, and to see their eyes roll back in their head as to how they just feel so small. But and I was the same way when I heard that. And I, I would I'd probably cite it in. 
a half a dozen. I was a guy that people would call me and say, hey, I got a new scope. Do you want to come with me? Because you can help me save some ammo. Yeah. And when I had an old guy tell me that, I was like, wow. First off, I'll tell you, and I again, shooting thousands of rifles and tens of thousands of rounds over my lifetime, I can tell you that not every rifle eats every ammo the same way. Absolutely. There is a huge, I have a rifle that will not, for whatever reason, will not shoot a particular brand of ammo. I can drop a completely separate brand of ammo in there and I'm clover leafing, but brand XYZ will not shoot it no matter what. And I don't, and, and, and along those lines, it doesn't matter. We could drop big time names. No, it doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's finicky. It's, yep. It, so just because you may not be able to pattern, it's not always the scope and optic combo. There's a lot of things that can go into that. Um, however, with that being said, I always tell a consumer to buy at least two boxes out of the same lot number if yep. possible to have on hand. That way they always have a couple rounds if needed. Um, three boxes of the same lot number is probably best. And along those lines, I would tell you, I've got uh, on my you know hot list, if you will, for distributors and, and, and buying, I've got a list probably two pages long of, of customers that are like, hey, I want you know, this Hornady, you know, 225, this specific, I got to have it. My scope, my, my rifle, if you're going to, and I, and, and that's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but coming out of what we just came out of where ammo, yeah, where it was crazy. It was crazy. You could get, if yep. you're going to do that, which I'm not, that's, I think that's a good, strong practice to do. You better have <laughs> enough ammo for two or three or four years, yeah. however you shoot. If that's just your UOL hunting or if that's just your deer hunting or if you go to the range and shoot it or if you go out on the weekends, whatever it is, if you're going to, 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 to roll yeah. like that or get into reloading. Yep. What, but, but otherwise, I mean, so you know, public ammo, service announcement. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot address that to you. I have some stuff that's on list for over two years. And these are things that I have told every single distributor, every manufacturer, every buy yeah. group, hey, I want this. I don't care. Send it to me, period, the end. And I still, two years. Yeah. And I still, and this is common, you know, 270 Weatherby. Right. So it's not, you know, or, you know, uh, 300 Winchester short mag. Not not obscure stuff. I'm not talking like, you know, like a, you know, eight millimeter Mauser or right. something like that, you know, or. Or 375 Ruger. So, so. You, you're absolutely, yeah. And to go back to your main point, do you need to put it on paper at 50? No. After you get it bore sighted? No, you don't. But it's one of those things where it just lets you refine a little bit more. And if you're shooting it, if your first shot's at 100, you, you're probably going to hit on the, the target frame that they have mm -hmm. set up out there. But you may hit outside of the paper that yep. you have set up on that target frame. Yep. The 50 yard just allows you to make sure you're, yep. you're ready a, to I go. I think it's a great right? point and it's a great practice. And I, I do that. And, and then once, once that look, I still do the old school, you know, pop the bolt out. I look down the barrel. I, I, I see what's whatever the barrel's looking at. And then I, I raise my head up and I look through the scope and I make sure they're on the same picture. Mm -hmm. I put that barrel back in chamber around, pull that trigger. And I can promise you within two shots, I'm at zero and my, my hunting rifle's ready to go. Yeah. Um, it was one of the first things when we, two years ago, when we were able to, when we came on board the Leupold and they took us, out, took us out to the Leupold shooting facility, that was the first thing they taught us was the Leupold way of mounting and bore sighting and zeroing a weapon. Right. And it was 
simplistic enough that I'm like, why haven't I been doing this my entire mm-hmm. life? You know, and yeah. at the same hand, I was like going, this is no more box of shells I will be running no. through. And this is four shells max, and I still have 16 yeah. to go. Yeah, and you know? when you, t- I'm telling you, and again, that's that's what we're trying to do here at the podcast is just get information out to the consumers and to our listeners and stuff like that, 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 you know, you don't have to go. I mean, I, I would tell you, I was probably, you know, I was probably in my thirties when I learned that. And I, and yeah. I started shooting like you, I was, you know, 14 years old. I was, I, I, you know, had a rifle and scope yeah. and, 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 you know, was going through a box of shells to try and get her scope, you know, you know, sighted in. So, you know, I'd 15 years plus probably in the industry and I mean, it's, you know, there's, and there, I've got guys here in the shop that come in that, you know, again, they're, 50, 60, 70 years old, and you show them that, and they just look at you like you got four eyes. <laughs> yeah. so, well, hey, man, I just, you know, time flies. Obviously, with, you know, with regards to this, we're going to have to have you back because hey, we just, we we just, just barely the brushed right on now. the surface. But that's what we wanted to do with this yeah. first one is just kind of get for the first time, you know, buyer or even somebody that's in there, you know, you know, getting, you know, an, an another second rifle or, or, or putting a new optic on. They finally they've realized, man, I should have spent a little bit more money upgrading. What do I need to look into? What are the things? What do the numbers mean? All that kind of stuff. And that's what we're really trying to do. You know, we're trying to get that information out as best we can and, and help the consumer and, you know, the outdoorsman, the shooter yep. to, to kind of see, you know, what they can learn from this podcast and what they can pull from it. And that's, we're trying to get that information out there. I mean, we didn't even talk about we didn't talk about binoculars. Oh, we didn't talk about range scopes. Yeah, range scopes. We didn't talk range yeah. finders. We didn't talk I mean, red dots. It's um, a ton. Yeah, there's so much out there. But um, I really appreciate it, man, coming down yeah, thanks here. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll do it again sometime soon, man. I appreciate it. So, Powder and String Outfitters, your hometown shop. 